I'm Taylor. I'm Kat. And welcome to this uh, special episode of Square Mile of Murder. If you've been with us for a while, you might remember that last summer we did an episode on Anna Sorokin, aka Anna Delvey, aka the fake German heiress. <laughs> and unless you've been living under a rock, hiding from popular culture for the last month, which is basically like my parents, uh, you've probably heard about Inventing Anna, the Netflix Shondaland production based on Anna's exploits and exploitation of Manhattan's social elite. Yeah, buddy. Uh, you know, we've been more than a little bit fascinated by the story of Anna Delvey slash Sorokin since we first heard of her. Um, and when we saw that Netflix... Netflix! That net was on fleek. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? Uh, um, I have been asking that question for many years. Yeah, yeah. So haven't we all. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. When we saw that Netflix uh, had released an adaptation of Anna's story, obviously we were going to watch it. And we did. And now we're going to talk about it. <laughs> all about it. Probably yeah. in more depth than you ever wanted or needed. <laughs> but that's why we're here, isn't it? Honestly. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't listened to our episode on Anna Delvey slash Sorokin, uh, it's episode 76. It's called The Fake Heiress. It, we released it in July of 2021, so last year. Um, and if you haven't seen the Netflix show, um, I don't think we're going to have many major spoilers in this episode because uh, like pretty much the information's out there. Yeah, I don't think it strays too far. No. From like the known major points yeah in anna's story yeah like it's pretty yeah yeah we'll talk about it um so yeah let's uh let's uh talk about it yeah so what did you generally overall what did you think about it well i should preface this by saying i'm a big uh Shonda Rhimes fan <laughs> like I have watched Grey's Anatomy since the second season and have watched pretty much every other show that she's produced except for Bridgerton which I haven't seen yet but that's just because I'm lazy um I mean I I couldn't get into Bridgerton but I'm not a big fan of period uh, stuff see, I am just so like, I love yeah, the costumes. I, yeah, I thought you'd be into that. Yeah, it's just one of those that like I think I was watching something else at the time and then I was like, oh, that that cultural moment has come and gone, so I need to wait till season two comes around to catch it again, basically. Yeah. But I I do love her shows and her sort of like staple of producers, writers, director staple stable uh, i i was wondering when you said staple i thought hang on 
<laughs> uh, her stable of, you know, writers, directors, producers, and actors. Like, I... Yeah. Like, she's her own studio system, basically. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen a lot of what she's done like i love how to get away with murder Mm -hmm. i've seen bits of scandal but i've never sat and watched it so i love scandals i love it it's It's really bad but i love it like it's good (laughs) but it's bad you know it's one of those um and obviously there's like the crossover between the two there is a couple of episodes where olivia pope is in oh yeah how to get away with murder forgot about that so I say I can't get into Bridgerton, but that's just I don't like period. I don't really tend to like period dramas, so it's just not my thing. But going back to her staple, her staple (laughs) is badass female leads. Yeah, and in both the character of Anna Delvey, I say character because obviously it is fictionalized a fictionalized version of her life. And Vivian Kent, who is the fictionalized version of Jessica Pressler, who wrote yeah. the original article on Anna Delvey, Sorokin, Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> Honestly, though. <laughs> um, so in both of those characters on screen, you have this like these like two amazing, strong female characters. Which I think is, like you said, it's it's just what we've come to expect from Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, generally, as 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 a whole, I thought it was really good. It's really well made, mm-hmm. which you would expect from like a huge budget from, you know, like Shondaland and Netflix, and Netflix together. Yeah. yeah. So. I also, I love how they used New York. Yeah. Uh, It's just really well done. And like, obviously, lots of shows do shoot in New York City because there's a lot of tax incentives for them to do so. (laughs) Um, Is, Is this the same reason as like loads of shows set on like the eastern seaboard will shoot in georgia and loads set on the west coast will shoot in either seattle or in vancouver Vancouver. yeah it's because uh local governments give you tax breaks i mean it's the same reason loads of american productions come over here because it's cheaper to fly your entire cast and crew over (laughs) shoot here than it is to shoot in america yeah um but like, yeah, I thought they re- did a really good job of like showing certain parts of New York that you don't see on TV, mm-hmm. i.e., buses. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen a character in a, a a show in New York get a bus before? I don't think no, I know. They all only get the subway. Exactly. <laughs> like, I know there's a reason because she was going to Rikers, but like. Just that that whole thing of like, oh, actually, we're going to tell you exactly how this works in the real... I don't know. That just really got me. I was like, oh my god, I love this so much. I mean, I obviously you have a, a much different perspective to me because you lived in New York, whereas I've never, never been. 
But when... So, I'm going to assume that we all know what Rikers Island is. Notorious jail. Yeah. It's... They're supposed to be winding it down to shut down in the next few years. Yeah. Whether that happens or not is another thing. But I've always known it's a prison. It's on an island. It's in... Is it the East River? Between It's like between Queens and the Bronx, I think. Or like Upper Manhattan. Yeah, it's definitely Upper Manhattan. Between Queens and the Bronx in the East mm. River. Yep. So I know like where it is geographically, but I had no idea. Even when I've watched documentaries like Time and 13, which have been about like uh, Khalif Browder. Mm-hmm you know, inmates at Rikers, I've never really seen or understood the scale of the place. Yeah. Like, you have to get a bus to get around the prison. That's how big it is. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, my experience of visiting prisons has always been you go in, you put your stuff in a locker, you walk through the metal detectors, you go in, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not like... <laughs> a whole like Like, city self-contained thing yeah so yeah i think they did a good job of of showing what it looks like to visit somewhere like rikers Mm -hmm. and like you say that it it just it shows new york really well yeah like you've got all these iconic places like the the Brooklyn Bridge, mm-hmm. when they're like waiting for the announcement in court, you've got all the like the skyline is shown so much. It's got all these iconic uh, places that you associate with New York, but then it's also got, like you say, someone riding the bus. It's got these little underground restaurants that you know yeah. the the lawyer goes to with his family. Yeah, at one point, and it's got. Um, I, I just think it's great. Like you say, it's showing New York. I think what's also really interesting about it is like they took an interesting approach with this by creating like a two-sided story with uh Vivian Kent, Jessica Pressler, and Anna Delvey Strachan because like it could have just been her story. Yeah. And I think it was I was reading something it was like that's what it was going to be originally. But then when they started talking to Jessica Pressler, they were like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> there's there's like layers to this that's like even more interesting. Yeah. So I think what it, it, the show did a really good job of doing is showing like what life is like for like creative people in new york kind of thing which like sounds like a very like like gross like hippy dippy thing to say but like new york is so fucking hard to do as an underpaid journalist as I, i never quite caught on to what her husband was supposed to be but he's like an artist or a a sculptor, sculptor I think. or something yeah and it was like yeah like you see that and somehow they scrape by and they're having a kid and like you know and not just that there's like the character of Neff 
Yeah. Um, she's, I mean, she's now based in LA and I believe working in the film industry and Shonda Rhimes is like, like Shonda Rhimes had the real Nefertari day where she was like, yeah, you're going to come on set. You're not just going to be a producer. You're going to come on set and you're going to experience what it's like. And we're going to show you. Yeah. Which I thought was so cool. So there's a, there'll be a link in the show notes. So BuzzFeed, as you can imagine, have done a shit ton of articles about (laughs) inventing Anna and all the characters and the real life people. And there is one about, in one of them, there is a bit about uh, Neff and how she's talked about how Shonda Rhimes basically was like, yeah, we want want to get you in and get you to see what it's like. Mm -hmm. Because they're like, oh, you want to make films? Cool. Come and learn. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. Whereas lots of people are told are like, nah, just sell your your image rights and get out. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, that's a good point that like, yeah, so here's this young woman who's like working the concierge desk at a hotel and mm-hmm. doing that to make ends meet and pursuing, you know, passion projects on the side. And like, that's mm-hmm. very New York. Yeah, and I think... That shows two different sides of like the whole like hustle culture. Because mm-hmm. like on the one side you've got Anna Delvey who is like by any means possible exploiting whoever's mm-hmm. you no know, beg, steal, borrow, scam, everything mm-hmm. to get where she wants to be. And then you've got Neff on the other side who's like working a normal job, saving up. And then I I mean, we don't know for like the real story, but like in the the show, there's a scene with her and a boyfriend where he's like, it he's like, people are shooting films on their iPhones. Yeah. If you were gonna do it, you'd go and do it now. Yeah. And eventually, she does. Yeah. Yeah, and like, yeah, they make they make good foils for one another because, like. They both, like, we see them, like, take advantage of the situations that they're presented with. Yeah. And one is very, like, fucked up. Yeah. And and twisted. And one is like, oh, this is an opportunity for me. and But in yeah. a very earnest way, you know? And also, how many of us, if presented with the opportunity to go to dinner with, like... You know, who was at that dinner? Like, Martin Shkreli, oh, all these, like, socialites. Yeah. Okay, you can have this, like, this night with all these rich people. It's not going to cost you a dime. Yeah. How many of us would turn around and say, nah? Probably not, no. I think the show did a really good job overall. I think there were some, so... Not going to lie, I don't remember... <laughs> our episode word for word i remember it more than most interestingly enough um and i remember like reading jessica pressler's article for new york magazine which i love that they named it manhattan instead but it's like (laughs) the same font and everything yeah um but like there were some parts of it that i couldn't remember if they were like real like or not 
I had a bit of that as well. Like I went back and listened to our episode last week. I did not I do like, that. And I did not reread the article, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I did all this after I watched it because I was like, it's like, I don't remember this happening. Yeah. And the bit that threw me was Chase. Yes. The, the boyfriend. Yeah. Because we very much skimmed over him in our episode. Okay. He's mentioned a bit more in the, there's a BBC podcast series called Fake Heiress, uh-huh. which we used as part of our research. They go into a bit more detail and they name him and I cannot remember his name. Uh-huh. But then more recent articles have come out since Inventing Anna's come out have said that nobody knows for sure who he is. Mm. I'm like, but the BBC found out quite easily. Yeah. And I said, I can't remember his name, but he was working on an app called Shadow mm-hmm. as opposed to Wake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was to do with like dream technology. Which, like, I'm sorry, but the way they wrote that whole spiel, like, it was so perfectly written to embody just how fucking dumb <laughs> this whole concept was. I, I I I was like dying. I love it. What do we think of Anna? Million dollar question. See, I think they showed her as like a really complex character. As opposed to just this black and white scam artist, like, oh, she only did bad things. Mm-hmm. Whereas they showed her as, like, oh, yeah, she did some bad things, but she had this big dream overall. And, like, she treated Neff well. She never scammed Neff. She never really scammed Casey Duke. Mm-hmm. I think it was just, like, the plane ticket back from Morocco. Mm-hmm. I think other than that, she didn't owe her any money. So I think, I think they've like kind of softened, not so much softened her and her character, but almost like softened the blow. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I really struggled because... And I I know that they did this on purpose, but like we were watching it and I found myself getting really angry because I was feeling sympathy for this terrible person. Yeah. And uh, like and that's a testament to the creative team and like how they built everything together, because when we were doing our episode, like. To a certain degree, I felt that way when reading Jessica Pressler's article, but like seeing it all come together in such a way, like you you get sucked in. You're like rooting for yeah. her, but then you realize what you're doing, and you're like, "Fucking stop it!" <laughs> yeah, like I have really like conflicting opinions of of her in real life because kind I'm like. What you did was awful. You destroyed, like, well, I say destroyed, like, I was going to say she destroyed Rachel's life, but obviously she's made money off it. So she's, and the the Amex fees eventually were waived. Yeah. So 
you know, that was resolved in a way, but she still went through like months of like panic Mm -hmm. and anxiety and everything about it. But at the same time, I'm like, those dudes on Wall Street, if you cannot do your due diligence before you hand over a $200,000 overdraft, you deserve it. Yeah, well, and that's that's the thing, like, I think we talked about this, correct me if I'm wrong, during our episode, but, like, for the most part, there weren't a lot of, like, technical crimes. There was a lot of people not checking things that they should have been checking. Yeah. Like, she she did do some check kiting, which we see in the show. Yeah. Um yeah, but it's basically like people just took her word for it. Yeah. But and and that is a big part of being able to con someone like yeah. people forget con stands for confidence. Yeah. And like I mean I, I don't know. It's so hard cuz such a fucking like gray area. Like yeah. I I think the actress who played Anna, Julia Garner, she did yeah. a really good job. Yeah. I found her accent utterly infuriating throughout the entire series. Yeah, that drove me insane. But I think that that was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, like, when I've been scrolling through, like, social media, anytime I've seen an article about this show i've like clicked on it to read because i'm just like oh i'm just obsessed basically yeah i hi i have no life um and there's one article where she talks about working with a a dialect coach a voice coach and everything and she's like so she had to learn the russian accent and then layer that with a german accent but then she had to layer that with like german learned in europe as opposed to uh, sorry, with English learnt in Europe. in Europe as opposed to it learnt as a second language in America. Uh-huh. So that she would have like the right um like dialect and you know, just, just different ways of pronouncing things between British English and American English. Yeah. And I'm reading about how well it did this and I'm like, Well, then you have no excuse for how bad it was. But I think that's the thing, like I've never heard Anna Sorokin speak, like, the real Anna. And I don't know if... I don't think I have, to be honest. ...evidence of that exists. I mean, I'm sure she has spoken at some point in her life, but... Um, yeah, she's a bit... I mean, she's been interviewed a lot in the few weeks between her release and being taken into custody by ICE. Yeah. Um, but, like... So. I think that's kind of part of it like it's supposed to be a baffling accent for a baffling person who like nobody could really pin down one way or the other should we talk about the russia of it all or germany of it all oh my god i cringed all the way through the germany episode (laughs) i was not expecting it to go there like literally go to germany um honestly it was interesting because i kind of thought that the end of the 
was it like the seventh episode was the end of the series and then i was like oh wait there's like two more episodes mm. um which like then made sense because you know we still had to catch up to some like real time stuff but yeah yeah i think that was that was where they lost me a little bit because it's like oh Look at her tragic backstory, but even though it's not, but like, you know, it, yeah, it felt very jarring. Yeah, it's very compared different to the rest in tone. So I know there's like, there was like a lot of different backstories that Anna gave to people. Like she was a German heiress. Her family were Russian oligarchs mm -hmm. who'd had to leave Russia. And settled in Germany, and the business was a front, and this, that, and the other. But it just felt very jarring. Like, it didn't fit with the rest of the show. And I suppose, in a way, that kind of makes sense, because uh -huh. she comes from Eschwella, Aish mm -hmm. which is this little small town in Germany, and it's worlds away from you know, the bright lights of New York. Yeah. So I get it in that way where how it's very jarring. That was like the the point where <laughs> Yeah, I was just like I feel no sympathy. Like I know that this is trying to sort of like play to, you know, well this is how she ended up this way. Yeah. But I it made me care less like seeing Anna in some of these situations, like while she's in the midst of conning people was more yeah. endearing to me than including yeah. this stuff about her family. And like, ah, uh, I don't know. It's, it's tough because it's true ish, I guess. Yeah. Um, Except for the bits that aren't. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think they could have done without that. Yeah, and so Jessica Pressler did actually travel to Germany to try and find out more about Anna's family and upbringing and yeah. how she became Anna Delvey. Yeah. She stresses she didn't try and break into somebody's yard. Which is good. Yeah. But she did eventually just scrap the article and go back to New York. Yeah. But yeah, it felt very unnecessary. And I think there's a thing in a lot of our culture where we have to create some tragic backstory. Mm -hmm. Like some people are just mean. Some people are evil. Some people would set you on fire to get where they want to be. Yeah. And that's the problem, is that we don't like to accept that without some horrible backstory that made them that way. Yeah, and I think it's so much more compelling when you just lay it out and be like, no, she just, she's just like this. Yeah. Um, can we talk about Maud? I love her. So 
Maud is one of the writers in Scriberia, alongside Vivian Kent and what are their names? Lou and Barry, the two guys. <sighs> um, so Scriberia apparently is a very real thing. It's where old writers go to die. <laughs> But I just thought Maud was so badass. Just like... Just like all of them were so delightful. I I need... Look, I need a spin-off story with Maud, a young Maud, as like foreign affairs correspondent covering these war zones. Just... I just need that in my life now. Yeah. 100%. Like... Um, Yeah. I just loved like that whole part of it So I think there's something, and maybe that's just because, like, I'm a writer, but I think there's something really compelling about watching how journalism happens, in a way. Yes. Um, And I think they did a really good job of that here. And I think also that they... They did a really good job of using the Scriberia writers as like a, kind of like a Greek chorus for uh, Vivian Kent. Yeah. And like, and, you know, she's like, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this story. And they're like, yes, and but fact checking and, you know, background yeah. and all this stuff. And like, so I thought that that had a really good like interplay between her sort of dogged like tunnel vision on this story yeah and them coming in and being like you've got the essence of this and you can write this story but here's the things you haven't thought about yeah like you know when they're like oh look at the hotel that didn't press charges against her you know, the boyfriend's in Dubai. Okay, if he's working for the Sheikh, he's in, in one of these hotels mm-hmm. near the palace because of, you know, Maud just, you know... Happens to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I th- and the scene where Vivian is in the toilet and Maud comes bursting in and she's like, she stole a fucking jet! Oh, yeah. She stole a fucking jet! And it's as though she's about to pass out. Yeah. She's so excited and then the the two guys come in as well <laughs> I yeah I just thought it was really great and it showed a side of journalism that we don't see as much anymore especially the last few years with the move to like homeworking mm-hmm. and you know everything's online so we don't see a proper newsroom much anymore yeah well I so could, yeah I'm like there aren't that many of them left no so I thought that was great they say I love Maud I want to know if she's based on like a real person at New York magazine or if she's totally fictional but either way she's great then we need we need a show all about Maud yeah um that actually leads on nicely to one of my other thoughts about this show was you know like you were saying it could have just been about Anna mm-hmm. and her story, but they balanced it between Anna and Vivian. Mm-hmm. I thought 
the way they portrayed not just Vivian, but also Todd Spodex, mm-hmm. the lawyer, mm-hmm. his relationships uh, with people around him, Vivian's like relationship with her husband, with her colleagues, and also the weird friendship kind of between Vivian and Todd, yeah. I thought was shown so brilliantly. Yeah, I agree. Because it showed, first it showed just how much work can consume your life. Yeah. And how easy it is. But also, I like a journalist and a lawyer, there should be a big barrier there. Yeah. And there wasn't, and they became a part of each other's lives. Yeah. To the point they were going out for dinner yeah. with their their respective partners as well. There's a bond yeah. there that shouldn't be there. Yeah, like, I mean, if you think about <laughs> What's the last thing that a defense attorney wants to have involved in their case? A fucking journalist. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, an eight-month pregnant journalist yeah, yeah. at that. Right? Holy fuck. I th- and it made their characters really well fleshed out. Yeah. Not just characters in the Anna Delvey story. They had their own lives and own stories around that yeah yeah i think that that's something that's really valuable because in a lot of these shows whether they be like fictionalized dramatized versions or documentaries uh, it focuses so much on like the person at the center of the story which obviously makes sense but Especially with this kind of thing where you're breaking the story. Like someone had to break the story. Someone had to find this and be like, oh, this is going to be huge. Yeah. So I think that's so much more interesting because it gives you such a different perspective. Like um, I just watched the Tinder Swindler documentary. I've watched that, yeah. And like. That was another one where they included the journalists who helped break the story. And that added such a layer of, like, tension and, like, intrigue that made it ten times better than if it had just been like, well, this is the guy and this is what he did and this is, you know, somebody wrote about it and, and then everyone found out, like... So yeah. I I really like that approach. Yeah, that. Oh, that's a whole episode all on its own, <laughs> Tinder Swindler. Um, I have so many thoughts on yeah. that. But yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, if it was just Anna's story, just this is when she arrived in New York and all the way. Even if it was told, like, from the perspective of, like, through the trial, uh-huh. you know, like, kind of, like, start with the beginning of the trial tell her story and then at the end she's found guilty and sentenced yeah yeah like use the trials of framing narrative and then go back hop back yeah. and forth in time kind of thing yeah yeah i don't think that would have been anywhere near as compelling yeah. no i agree as the way it was written yeah um yeah so not everyone is a fan <laughs> 
Uh, so Rachel Deloach Williams. She is not a fan. No. So Rachel Deloach Williams sold rights or HBO optioned her story. She technically broke the story in a way with Vanity Fair, but she didn't know the full extent. Yeah. It was just the Morocco trip. Yeah. Um, and obviously she's she's like had to obviously has had to sell her rights to the net like image rights to Netflix. So she at some point has made money from Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not happy with the way Netflix portrayed her. Portrayed her or have portrayed Anna because they think like we said they've made her too likable yeah which I get yeah um so in the court scene uh Spodek is asking her basically how much money she's made from it Mm -hmm. you know for this to be the worst thing that ever happened to you you've done pretty well it's like if it all came together it was six hundred thousand dollars um so the implication is that it wasn't that bad if she's selling her story Mm -hmm. i completely disagree if you've been through some kind of trauma you have the right to make money off it yeah you like we're always saying like people should tell their stories you know like the whole me too movement Time's up, all of that. It was like, oh, people should come forward and, and tell their stories. Mm. Oh, hang on, wait. You made money from telling your story? Oh, well, no, that's not right. Yeah. Fuck that. If you're going to relive your trauma for the entire world, why shouldn't you get some money for it? Yeah. And, like, also, she worked at Vanity Fair. This thing happened to her that jeopardized her job. In journalism. And Vanity Fair is a great place to tell a story. Especially a glitzy, high-class, money-filled story like this. Yeah. So, of course, she was going to sell the story to them. Because, Mm. if nothing else, it saves her bacon. And that's exactly what she needs yeah. after being fucking defrauded. Like, yeah, uh, like I get, I get the sort of criticisms of her, but I don't agree mm-hmm. with them because it's it, it's just like, yeah. th- what did you think would happen? Like, yes, some people in this story or some people in similar situations haven't chosen to go down this route. But I could have, and it it's yeah. fine. It's their story. And in case nobody's noticed, true crime is having a moment, and that moment is lasting a very long time. Yeah. People want to hear all these stories about true crime in all kinds of everything from white collar, you know, defrauding right through to serial murder and rape. Yeah. But they don't want the victims to have any sort of agency or any sort of voice in it. Yeah. And that's That's That's, troubling. Yes. But that is essentially the upshot of this thing happened to her and she should tell us about it. But she she shouldn't shouldn't have any... Yeah, and she shouldn't have any control over how she's portrayed. Yeah. 
So, like, I, you know, good on her. She got, she got her money back. She's made money. You know, go live your life. Yeah. If you don't like it, just scroll on back. Yeah, exactly. But so, although she didn't like it, most of the other people have really enjoyed the show or liked the way they were portrayed. Mm -hmm. So, Casey Duke, the real Casey Duke, the trainer, she reportedly loved the way Laverne Cox portrayed her, which I thought was really cool. She still works as like a life coach Mm -hmm. and a trainer. I have to say, when I first read the um, original New York Magazine article, I totally pictured Casey as Laverne Cox. Really? dead on. And so when (laughs) her character popped up on the screen, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's 100% correct. You're just manifesting. (laughs) Dreamcasting, you know, Netflix shows. Yeah. Um, and Neff Davis, apparently she's like quite happy with the way she was portrayed. She said that the adaptation got pretty much everything right about her, except for the fact she and Ra- she doesn't hate Rachel. Mm-hmm. They're just not friends. Although I suppose that's not quite as dramatic yeah. as, you know, calling her a Karen or a Becky yeah. and just having a, a screaming fight behind her. You know, in the back back alley behind a hotel. Yeah. No, so. it's not as fun. Um, but interestingly, so Neff is still in touch with Anna, um, but not regularly. Mm-hmm. But she's in regular contact with Jessica Pressler. They speak like every week. That is interesting. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. And she says it's like having another mum just in New York. <laughs> um, but she does speak to Anna from time to time. So Anna is still in ICE custody. Mm-hmm. She's fighting her deportation back to Germany, but she's been held in Orange County in New York. So. Interesting. Yeah, so thank you for listening. Um... We're still on our break. We'll be back the first week of April. Yes, we will. Or the first full week of April, we should say. Yeah. Uh, We will be rested, refreshed, (laughs) bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. All that good garbage. (laughs) Yeah. We'll be back. Yeah. So we'll see you in April. Thank you for yeah, listening. Thank you guys. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think of this whole this whole thing. Bye. Bye.